Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus, and welcome to today's broadcast of Shi'ar Jeshub. Shi'ar Jeshub is brought to you by the Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, which meets at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Our church is so pleased to have this opportunity to share our Sunday service with you and the continuing study on heavenly authority taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and in this program, we will be starting a new sermon providing an overview of the kingship in Israel. But before we go into the message, let me take a moment to invite you to join us at 10 a.m. for Sunday service, where each week we have song and worship, prayer around the communion table, and of course, the study of God's holy word. It would be wonderful to meet you, and I believe you'll find it a time of blessing. Now, here is Pastor Greg. In our discussion of the kingship, last time we were in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and you remember how the people demanded a king, and this was not God's will. He said they're doing such because they don't want me to reign as king over them. Nevertheless, he tells Samuel to appoint a king for them. And the Lord, we discussed last time, will use this kingship, this monarchy, to set up the throne on which someday Jesus will sit. And we saw how back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, God, foreknowing the hearts of the people, speaks about their desire for a king and gives commandments, rules, regulations for the king. Let's just review that a second in Deuteronomy chapter 17. In verse 14, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving to you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. So it had to be someone God would choose. One from among your brethren. You shall set a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. And we discussed that last time, how it had to be a member of Israel and the abomination that Herod was as an Eumian to be sitting on the throne as king of Judea in the time of Jesus. Verse 16, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So he was not to bring power to himself. He was not to amass great numbers of horses or armies or go into other countries to try to amass armies as the pagans did. He wasn't to bring much wealth to himself. Now, God blessed Solomon, but wealth was to be used for the people, not to take, not to take many wives. And we spoke about how that would be a downfall for Solomon, how the many wives of David would bring tragedy to his home when he was seeking that one special relationship and it causes him to look elsewhere where he should not have 
and committed adultery and tore his family apart. They were to be as one of the brethren. And most importantly, it says, and this is where we left off last time, verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 17, also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left hand, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now we're speaking about heavenly authority. We're speaking about this office now that's established of the kingship. If he is to remain, if his lineage is to remain, if he is to be rewarded, he must have the right heart. He cannot lift himself up in pride above his brethren. He can't go off on weird tangents, the imaginations of men, the pagan philosophies. Remember Solomon, he builds a hill and an idol for all the different gods of all his different wives. He's got to stay on a narrow course. You cannot be a leader of people if you're going to the right or going to the left. He has to be on the narrow path. And the way to do it is to have a copy of this book right there on the throne and to read it day in and day out and we saw last time what does it say all of it careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes not just a part of it to know the whole thing this way he would have wise governing he would govern himself he would be in control of himself and do what's right and then he could be a wise leader onto his people now, a few kings heeded these words. We know David, though he did one thing terribly wrong, was a man after God's own heart, and he loved God's word. If you look at the psalm he writes in Psalm 19, in Psalm 19, a psalm of David, he says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. That's what changes. The Word of God changes the hearts of people. It renews our minds. We all have some type of wrong preconceived notion when we come to Jesus Christ. There are just things that we're brought up with. We come to wrong conclusions about. Sin will make us think the wrong way. And the Word of God converts the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. He says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We receive wisdom. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So we're able to see. We have the light of God. Joy is placed in our heart. We said last time how when you look just in the way the world looks, it's very easy to get into despair and darkness and to see everything that comes about 
everything that Satan throws at you to bring you down and to be cloaked with the darkness of this world. But when we walk in the kingdom of heaven, when we read the scriptures, all of a sudden we see from God's point of view. Light comes in. Things are not overwhelming. God lifts us up to see from his perspective. And the scriptures give us that. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So David knew that what God said is true. It's holiness. It's righteousness. And this is the way we stay right. He says, what is it worth? Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is, what does it say? Your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. More precious, he saw the scriptures of God, the law of God, more precious than gold, than fine gold. You know, some people love gold. They love money. Some people love gold for the way it looks. I know most women, when they see the Home Shopping Club and they come on with these beautiful pieces of jewelry, it's like a natural instinct. Mmm, well, finer than any gold that you can see there, more precious, more desirable, David says, is this word. Sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. And moreover, not only is it good, not only is it right, not only does it keep us holy, not only is it precious, not only is it valuable, but it warns the servant. David sees himself as God's servant, and as a king, he needs to be warned. So when Nathan does come and rebuke him for what he's done, he knows the scriptures, he knows he's wrong, and he can repent. See, one of the problems in our generation the young people don't know what's right and wrong anymore. They don't know the good from the bad. You can ask them, what is the Sermon on the Mount? Not only can they not say it, years ago, the average person could recite it. They can not only say it, they don't know what it is, and they don't know who the person is that said it. So when they do wrong, except from the natural conscience that is killed many times at a young age, there's not even the knowledge that they're doing wrong. We all can remember back to our youth and things we did wrong, but we knew we were doing wrong, and so we can repent. But when there is no knowledge, when a nation like the pagan nations fall so far away from God that they know not the word of God, good is called evil, evil is called good. There's no light, there's no revelation, there's nothing to warn, there's nothing to rebuke, there's nothing to bring back to the right path. David understood the value of these scriptures to correct, to guide, to warn, and in keeping them, he says in verse 11, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? How can we know what we're doing wrong? Cleanse me from secret faults, things I don't even understand I've done. The word of God brings to light. So I say, look at that. God says this. Yeah, I guess I've done that. Secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, assuming, you know, it's very easy when you're a king and everyone does what you want like that, to just presume everything you want is right. 
David understands the word of God as it was said to Moses in Deuteronomy 17, keeps that king, keeps that throne on the right path. Let them not have dominion. Don't let these sins have dominion over me. He says, then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now David was in agreement then with the words spoken to Moses. But many of the kings that came from David and many of the kings then that would be established in northern Israel after the divide of the kingdom did not. They did not keep the word of God close to their throne. For that matter, something very interesting happens. We hope you join us next time as Pastor Greg Scalzo continues this Sunday message. As always, we would greatly enjoy hearing from you. Our address is Shi'ar Jashub, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Though our P.O. Box is in Branford, our Sunday service is at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Service is at 10 a.m., and the hall can be reached by taking I-95 to exit 61. Go south on Route 79 to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. The Memorial Hall is just across the lane from the James Madison Memorial. We pray the Lord Jesus blesses you as you grow in the knowledge of Him.